Good morning. How you guys doing here at One Church? All right, fantastic. My name is Chris. I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and I'm so excited to be with you. Today we're ending our series on the book of Joshua, and I hope you guys have enjoyed going through the life of Moses and the life of Joshua. Um, we're going to be gearing up for Easter, uh, so I would encourage you, Easter is like just a couple of weeks away now. So um, now I'm, one of the things I'm going to be asking you guys to do is be praying about people that you would like to invite here this Easter. Um, it's one of those times, one of these things, we do a really hard job, uh, and a lot of us do this, I mean, it takes a whole team, it takes a village to be able to come together and to be able to start a church and to continue doing a church for people who've never ever heard the loving fact that God is not mad at them. You know, that's the reason why God sent his son Jesus Christ, so that uh, his wrath would be poured out on Jesus and not on us. And I think so many times when people, the average person you ask, whether it be um, in your company or uh, in your facility or in your school, you, you ask them, you know, what do you, think, what do you think about it when God, what do you think God thinks about you? And the, one of the biggest ideas is, well, I, you know, God probably really doesn't care that much about me. I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. Or God is mad at me. And you need to know, in fact, if this is your first time here, you need to know God is not mad at you. He loves you passionately. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So uh, we're gearing up for Easter. It's going to be really big, really big, really fun. Next week is our Easter egg hunt. So you definitely want to be here for that. And thank you guys for continuing to bring your candy. All right, I wanted to let you know about this. One of the things is I was preparing through this sermon, um, I kind of struggle with, to be honest with you, a little bit, because I feel like I'm saying the same things over and over again. All right? And, uh, and when, as I'm going through the book of Joshua, and I've been reading this book now for months now, I feel like I'm saying a lot of the same things over and over again. And I realize, I realize that I actually think I am. Because one of the ways that God actually lets us learn is by repetition. And through the entire book of Joshua, we see, even though it's different circumstances, the same principles repeated over and over and over and over again. One of the things that we see, this huge theme going through the entire book of Joshua, is the idea of impossible situations. The idea of things that cannot be, that cannot, you can't be victorious, you can't cross it, you can't, you can't, you can't. It's impossible situation that God makes possible. We can't, but God can. In fact, the first week, we saw Joshua in, involved in this impossible situation that Moses is now dead, and he had this impossible situation of stepping into Moses' shoes and, of, and, and really replacing Moses. In fact, but listen to what the promise that God gives Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verses 3 and 5. It says this, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I've given you. He's saying everywhere you walk, it's yours. That's a big promise. No one will be able to stand against you for as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not, what's that next word? fail you, or abandon you. And you need to know that same promise, I will not fail you nor abandon you, that he gave Joshua is the same promise that our Lord gives us today. I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. Some of you, your biggest fear is of being alone, and not just being alone, just with a spouse leaving, 
or a child leaving, but God leaving. And you need to know that if you have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, God will never leave you. Ever. Ever. All right? So, big fear, big impossible situation. Moses is gone. God shows up and makes a big promise. Look at this next one. I love this because in the second week, we saw that God brought Joshua and the two million Israelites right on the edge of the, of the promised land, and there was this huge raging river right on the edge of the promised land, and we see this whole principle that God will move to save when we move and obey. That many times, God showing up and doing impossible situations, making them possible, is dependent upon us moving and us obeying. In fact, this is what it says in Joshua chapter 3, verses 8 and 15. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. We looked at that, that week as, as we take steps... Watch God move. If we want to God to show up, then we have to start moving, we have to start obeying, no matter how crazy his plan is. And last week, we saw that God had a really crazy plan. Last week, we saw that the Israelites, the Tubian Israelites, have crossed over the River Jordan, and they are standing nose-to-nose with a huge, formidable enemy called Jericho. It was the oldest, the lowest, and the most fortified city of that time. And last week, we learned that bold prayers honor God because God honors bold prayers. We talked about circling our impossibilities. And a lot of it was based off of this book right here called The Circle Maker. I would encourage you guys that this is going to be one of the last weeks we sell this at our resource table. It is a fantastic book. We're selling it below cost. And um, a friend of mine actually picked this up last week. He read the entire book. This past week, he said, you are right. It is a great, great book. I'm going to be uh, doing a couple of quotes from this, but great, great book called The Circle Maker. Today, we're looking, we're looking (laughs) at at the very end of Joshua's life, and then we're going to go back a few years, and we're going to see him pray a very bold, a very audacious prayer today. But we're going to see, really, and as we look at the end of Joshua's life, we're going to see the key of God doing impossible things and making them possible. Today, we're going to see the key of opening up the lock of God just pouring down his blessings and moving in our circumstances. Because so many of us, I think we have this idea that the God of the Bible, he was really amazing, but the God of today is just ho-hum. And I think the reason why we have that is because we've not experienced these amazing things in the Bible. We've not experienced these. But I think the reason why we haven't experienced them has less to do with God and more to do with us. And really, whether how sold out we are. I want to state our big idea today, and then we're going to uncover this through the, um, through the very end of Joshua. Our big idea is God takes full responsibility for the life wholly devoted to him. God takes full responsibility for the life that is wholly devoted to him. You see, the reason why God showed up and did some amazing things in Joshua's life in this book, and you can just leave that big idea up there if you would, is because Joshua 
was fully and wholly sold out to God. And hear me, anytime you are fully and wholly sold out to God, God takes full responsibility of what happens. God takes full responsibility of your finances. God takes full responsibility of your dreams, of your plans. God takes full responsibility of a life that is wholly devoted to him. Now, I want to read this verse from the end of the book of Joshua. In fact, some of you, you have this verse like on a, uh, on a magnet on your refrigerator. You may have it on a plaque hanging up above your door. You may have a grandmother that has this thing like cross-stitched or Miramac. How many of y'all remember? All right, all right, cool. All right, but <laughs> this is one of those verses that's one of the most popular verses in the Bible. And in this verse, we're going to see the key of God making impossible things possible. And it really, it has more to do with our sold-outness to God than it does God doing some amazing things. Because hear me, God takes full responsibility for a life that's wholly devoted to him. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, and it says this. But if serving the Lord, Joshua's speaking here to the entire nation of Israel. He's at the end of his life. This is kind of the last huddle, the last pep talk. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then what's that next word? We all need to say that a little bit louder. Then what? Choose. 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 Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river, all those little G's, the gods of the Amorites in whose land that you've been living. But, there it is, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. You see, what happens at the end of Joshua's life, Joshua lived to 110 years old. He lives to 110 years old, and he makes this speech right before he dies. He's there, and he is having his pep talk. He's having his huddle with two million Israelites, and it's at the end of the conquest. I mean, there's still work to be done, but, I mean, a lot of the people have been driven out of the land, not all of them yet, so it's not mission accomplished yet. But here, Joshua is getting all these two million Israelites. He says, listen, guys, you've got a choice to make. You have a choice to make. You're going to have to choose who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve little gods, little G? Are you going to serve gods that are made of stone, of wood, of rubble? Are you going to to choose to serve those gods, all the gods of the people that we've come in and conquered? Are you going to serve them? Are you going to serve the one true God? And at the end of the day, he says, I don't, you know, that's, your, that's between you and God. But he says this, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. you got to choose. And he says, you got to choose this day. Let me tell you, every day that you live is a choice of what direction you're going. And really, it's a choice. Whatever choice you're making, are you going to serve God or serve something else? That is really going to determine God making impossible things possible in your life. 
has nothing so much to do with God as has everything to do with us being wholly devoted to Him. Hear me. We are all passionate people. We all worship something. You will either worship a ball team. You will either worship. Um, um, you will either worship. Uh, you know, an athlete. You will either worship a person in a relationship. You will. I, I mean, we worship all kinds of things. But as for me and my household, we will wholly serve the Lord. Why? Because God takes full responsibility of a life that's wholly devoted to Him. Now. That's the end of Joshua. I want you to turn back just a few pages to Joshua chapter 10. And in Joshua chapter 10, we're going to see Joshua, in a a lot of ways, pray one of the most bodacious, I mean, audacious prayers one could ever imagine praying. it's, It's so amazing. In fact, some of you, it's my prayer today that at the end of this day, that all of us, we would start praying some bold prayers. Because most of us, we pray boring prayers, if we pray at all, right? I mean, think about this. Uh, In fact, let me just see your hands. How many of y'all prayed at least five times this past week? Let me see your hands, okay? And let me tell you, I can tell you the most, the prayer that you prayed this week for 99% of us. Dear God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for this food that I'm about to eat. Let me not get gas. Amen. We pray right before we eat, and we pray that it won't go to our hips, it won't do all kinds of things, and that, if we pray at all, or, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray my Lord my soul to keep. How many of y'all, your parents taught you that prayer? That is the scariest, most jacked up prayer I've ever prayed in my life. Seriously, if I die before I wake. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh. By the way, sleep well, kitty winkies. It's like, dear Lord, is this, this Freddie? Is this Jason? Is this Michael? All right. I mean, this is that's some scary stuff. Those are the type of prayers that we pray. But today, we're going to see Joshua pray a prayer that literally stopped the cosmos. Because God listens to bold prayers. God listens to audacious prayers. And I really do believe that the health of this church, of this ministry, of you personally, is really dependent upon us dreaming big and praying big prayers. Because God wants to do amazing things in your life, not just in the life of the super Christians, whoever they are, not just in the life of people named Joshua or Moses or some of these other people. God wants to do some amazing things in your life and in my life. God is calling us to reach for, to pray for, to believe for things that seem impossible for you right now. And for those, that may look like a lot of different things. For you, it may be a job. You may have just gotten the news that you are, you've lost your job. And, and you're there and your, arms are, your hands are wide open and you're like, what am I going to do? And you're at a crossroads. For some of you... Um, you just can't find a job. And you're like, God, I want, I, I'm willing, I want to, but I, 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 I can't find this. And that's an impossible situation for you right now. For others for you, it may be reconciliation to a family member that you've not been talking for years 
over something that you can't even remember what you're mad about or what the other person's mad about. And that's an impossible situation for you. For others, it may be the lack of purpose or drive. You've been dealing with depression for a couple of years, and you're just struggling, and you've tried the medication, and the medication isn't working. Sometimes you need to take medication. Sometimes it's something a little bit deeper than just our physical. It could be something spiritual. For others of you, you're struggling with a relationship that's on the verge of falling apart. For others of you, your impossible situation is that you have a child who is sick. And it's a sickness that's keeping on, it's getting worse and worse and worse. Others of you, you have children who've walked out on God. And they've left and, I mean, they're at home right now because they're passed out drunk from the night before. And you're like, you know, I'm not going to drag them here. Maybe stepchildren. It may be whatever it is, but you need to know that I don't believe Jesus saved any one of us just to exist. I don't believe Jesus saved any of us just to survive this world. John chapter 10 verse 10 says, Jesus is saying this, I came so that you can have life and have it to the fullest, so that you can have it more abundantly. I believe that too many believers, we just settle And we don't see God do some amazing work in our lives. I mean, we don't believe God for the impossible things become possible in our life. Joshua chapter 10, verse 7. And this is where I'm going to start. So Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua. For I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. He's saying, don't be afraid. Now hear me. Anytime you tell somebody, don't be afraid, what's probably happening in their life? They're experiencing what? Fear. Right? I mean, and that's another big theme to the book of Joshua. God brings them right to the edge. They experience fear. And we talked about fear as an emotional outburst of unbelief. And God's saying, don't be afraid. Have faith. I have already given them over to you. Where have you heard that same language? We looked at that last week, right? God brought Joshua and the Israelites to Jericho. And he says, don't worry about this. This is my paraphrase of it, by the way. God says, Josh, don't worry about Jericho. It's taken care of. It was already in the past tense. It was already a done deal. The battle hasn't even started yet here from Joshua's perspective. Yet you and I serve a God, and he and I, he wants you to know today. He wants you to know for sure who speaks about the battles that you're presently going through that they're already done. You're already victorious. How are we victorious? Because we have a positive attitude? Absolutely not. Because we are believing we can have our best life now? Absolutely not. We are victorious because we serve a God who has been crucified, dead, buried, and he's raised from the dead. That's what we're going to be celebrating in a couple of weeks. We are victorious because Jesus Christ is God. He's powerful, and he has overcome everything. Everything. And if he can overcome everything, and if we are hooked up to him, then we are overcomers as well. That we have victory. He's saying it's a done deal. It's past tense. 
Keep on reading, verse 9. Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the, armor and the Amorite armies by surprise. By the way, that, that all night, they marched all night. How many of y'all ever marched all night? I have never. I don't know if you can tell that about me. All right? Um, I mean, this was an all-night march. It was a 25-mile march uphill. I mean, that's how long this was. So 25 miles, him and his soldiers are marching uphill for 25 miles, and finally, it says they took them by surprise. Now, what's the next word we see? The who? The Lord. Let me tell you, this is so huge. When we move, when we act, when we fight, when, we, when God says, I want you to go, and we go, let me tell you who fights for us. It is the Lord. The Lord threw them into a panic, and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Horon, killing them all the way to Azekah. I've been to Azekah. This little tell, this little small city. And then Makeda. As the Amorites re, uh, retreated down from the road to Beth Horon, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that killed them, that, excuse me, that continued until they reached Azekah. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed by the sword. P- point here God can do more in a moment in your life than you can do of a lifetime of trying if you do it your own way. God can do more. In a moment, in a snap, if you do it his way, then you would, in a lifetime, trying it your way. You see, Joshua moved, he led his army 25 miles uphill, and they're tired. I mean, their feet are hurting, they're outmatched, they're outnumbered, and God fights for them. God moves on their behalf. I think that's. I think many times God uses supernatural resources to be able to fill in the gaps that you and I we can't fill in when we do it His way. I'll give you an example. This happens to me all the time when it comes to finances. In fact, I'll tell you something that happened to me this morning, and I don't quite know how God's going to fill in the gap, but we're going to find out. All right. Um, I was working on our. My wife and I we give through eGive, and I'm. We, I th- I've shared with you guys my struggle in tithing in the past. For the past four years now, my wife and I, we've been, praise God, consistent to tithing. And we gave more last year than we've ever given. And uh, this morning, um, and he- hear me on this one. Anytime you honor God with your finances or anything like that, when something breaks down, it's his problem. It's not mine. You see what I'm saying? Seriously. That's his problem. It's his problem. When you honor God in every area of your life, but especially finances, when something breaks down, I just have to go, God, you've got to fix this. All right? Because let me tell you what I don't think he's asking me to do when I'm getting ready to tell you what happened to me this morning. He's not asking me to stop tithing to fix my problem. He's not asking me to do that. This morning, I get up at dark 30 at 5-something so I can be here at 6 and I turn on the shower, and I'm looking over my sermon, and I'm waiting for it to get warm, and it ain't getting warm. I'm like, what in the world? So I get in, and um, I, I take a cold shower, and uh, it was uh, eye-opening. 
I get out, and I'm thinking about, okay, can I get back in bed and get warm? I mean, seriously, and I'm thinking, if I get back in bed, I ain't getting up. <laughs> Somebody else going to be preaching here this morning. All right, so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that. So I draw off, and I get my clothes on, and I go downstairs, and I hear the dishwasher just running. I'm like, that's strange. I, I knew Kim, she started the dishwasher last night, and um, okay, that's different. So I open up the dishwasher, and it's still running. I'm thinking, and there's water on the floor. I'm like, oh. So um, I think what's happened is we've had a pipe burst from yesterday to today because, you know, it's, it's gotten so cold recently. <laughs> and uh, there's water everywhere in our kitchen. It's seeped through the floor. It is um, pouring uh, out underneath the crawl space. Uh, I'll go outside, and it's, just, it's, it's like it's raining, but it's not. Okay, yeah, I can just hear it. And, and I left my wife at 6 o'clock this morning going, how you doing? And I came here. So I don't know how God's going to fix this. But hear me on this one. I'm not really worried about it. Because, you know what, it's not my problem. When we honor God and we do things God's way, God will come in and he will interject and something supernatural is going to happen. Because, see, the God of the Bible is still the God of today. He hasn't changed. What changed is us. We are not wholly devoted to God like Moses, Joshua, Caleb, like uh, David, like Daniel, like all of these other people that we have a tendency to deify and say, you know, they're saints. They're not saints. They're normal people just like you and me, but they were wholly devoted to God. And God showed up and made the impossible possible, and yet we're talking about God give us this day our daily bread. We don't pray bold prayers because we don't believe God is going to answer them. That's just the fact. Man, y'all going to get me preaching this morning. All right, so verse 12, and this really sums up these few words, this bodacious, amazing, bold prayer that Joshua prays, and he prays this. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people. Now, again, if you're going to pray something big, you pray it in your prayer closet, right? You go home and you... All right. And that way, if God don't show up, you're not embarrassed, right? Not my boy Joe. Look at what he does. He says this. He prayed in front of all the people, two million people. He said, and this is the verse right here, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Agilon. Just, just 14, 15 words, but these words literally stopped the earth rotating. That's some crazy stuff. So the sun stood still, verse 13, and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. Is this event not accorded in the book of Jashar? The sun stayed in the middle of the sky, and it did not set as a normal day. God, will you give me more than 24 hours? Done. Right? You've always heard, you can't get more hours. My boy Josh prayed it, and he got it. All right? There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. That's a bold prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. And I read that last sentiment in verse 14, and I know that the sun is, hasn't stood still since. There's not been a, a day like it and a day before. But I believe that God is the same God 
who made the sun stand still for Joshua, he has the same God of making it capable for you to get enough money so that you can pay your bills. That same God is the God who can be able to restore that relationship that cannot be restored. That God is the same God who, is, who can bring back your child from the brink of on the edge of just destroying his or her life. The, the same God who, who majors in impossibilities and makes them possible. We serve the same God. But we have to boldly call on his name. We have to boldly trust him and believe him to do impossible situations so that he can get the glory and he can show up and show out in our lives because God takes full responsibility for the life that is wholly devoted to him. I'm going to read you a quote. If, if the size of your vision for your life isn't intimidating to you, there's a good chance it's insulting to God. It's insulting to God. If there's nothing you're believing God for that's big enough for your life, there's a chance that God of the universe is insulted by that. Because many times we have a tendency to ask God for stuff that we can already do. God doesn't get honor and glory by that. So what sun stand still prayer do you have to pray today? I want to break these verses down a little bit before we end today. Characteristics of Joshua's prayer. It was a bold prayer. It was a bold prayer. And he prayed it in front of who? Everybody. Right? Everybody. Lord, please add more than 24 hours to this day. This wasn't, God, I've stubbed my toe. You know, can you make it stop hurting? This wasn't a prayer that, God, you know, I need a parking spot. Can you help me find it? This wasn't a prayer like, you know, God, um, you know, can uh, Peyton Manning come to the Titans? Uh, th- this, wasn't, this wasn't just a regular, common, everyday, normal prayers. You can pray prayers like that, absolutely. But there needs to come a time in your life that we pray bold prayers because that just magnifies him boldly. Let me tell you a little bit about goals and prayers. How many of y'all set goals at the beginning of the year? All right, some of us, some, some of y'all are like, hey, nah, ain't me. All right, that's cool. That's all right. Let me tell you something about goals. Because I'm a big goals dude, and I'll write out goals. Sometimes every week, I'll write out my goals. And one of the things, you've heard this about SMART goals. How many of you have ever heard of that? And it stands for something specific, measurable, you know, attainable, all this stuff. Let me tell you about goals. Goals should be attainable. If you put a goal out there that you cannot, it cannot be attained, then what you're going to do is you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be bummed. And you're going to bum everybody else around you, right? I mean, it's discouraging. Goals should be attainable. Prayers should be impossible. Prayers should be impossible. Our prayers should be impossible. We need to be praying big prayers, not small prayers. Bold prayers, not boring prayers. Audacious prayers, not anemic prayers. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says this. So let us come boldly to the throne of the grace of God. I love that. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we most need it. Some of us, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can come boldly in front of him. You don't have to come with your hat in hand. You can just come boldly and you ask bold things of him. Don't come to God with pansy prayers that you can accomplish for yourself. Pray in such a way that it has to be God when it shows up. It has to be God. The second thing, a characteristic about Joshua's prayer here and made the sun stand still is that it was specific. 
it was specific. He didn't pray, God, help us out. He specifically asked for the sun to stop in the middle of the sky. He specifically asked for the moon to stand still. If you want specific answers, then you need to pray specific prayers. This is a quote from Mark Batterson from this book. It says this, A few years ago, I read one sentence that changed the way I pray. The author, pastor of one of the largest churches in Seoul, Korea, wrote, God does not answer vague prayers. When I read that statement, I was immediately convicted by how vague my prayers were. Some of them were so vague that it, there was no way of knowing whether God had ever answered them or not. And he says this, the more faith you have, the more specific your prayers will be. And the more specific your prayers are, the more glory God receives. Many reasons why we don't see specific answers to our prayers is because our prayers aren't specific at all. Let me give you one that we pray. And again, I prayed this. You know, if you ever went into like a, maybe you're going into a test or something, and, or maybe you're going into a job interview and you pray this, God, just be with me. Just be with me. Okay, let's just stop right about that. God is where? Everywhere. There's a churchy word for that, a theological word for that. He is uh, omnipresent. He is everywhere. You are present right here. Hopefully you're present. Some of you are sleeping. All right? But uh, you are present. God is every present. He's present everywhere. Okay? So God be with me. And hear me. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Matthew 28, 19 says this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We never have to pray, God, just be with me. Or God, just be with him. That's the dumbest prayer you could ever pray. Right? I mean, God is with them. If you want, that's not specific. Pray a specific prayer. God, I'm going to go into this interview. God, I pray that this interview would go well. I wouldn't stumble over my words. Lord, I pray that they would ask me this question. And, I, and, and you be specific. Because many of us, we, are, we, we're just, we're, we just pray anemically. Or, I mean, I just, I, or what about this one? God, just bless the missionaries today. Just bless them. What does that mean? I don't know. I mean, how would we ever know if they ever got blessed? Would you Google it? All missionaries today were blessed. We, we would never be able to see that. So ask for specific prayers. Let me give you some specific prayers that I am praying here for one church. All right? Um, one specific prayer is we need to hire more staff. We're a church of 800 and they say for every 100 people we have, we need to have a staff person. We have three staff people for 800, so y'all can do the math. All right? Uh, most of the times, all of us, with Josh, Ryan, and myself, and then we have Luther, who he, he doesn't get paid. He just gets, he looks good. All right? He just looks good. All right? Just saying. So, but we, we, it, we got the four of us trying to manage 800 people, and, and it's like sometimes the plates fall. And I don't ever want to see any, anything. We need to hire more people. One of the things I'm praying, we need to hire a small groups pastor. We ain't got no money to do it. I have a mentor. His name is David Foster, and he preached here last year. And, and I was telling him, you know, some, you know, I mean, God has given us tremendous growth. Tremendous growth. I mean, a lot of people are getting saved. Um, so he says, so, you know, what's your average offering, you know, per week? So I, I gave him that. And he says, okay, now what you need to do is you need to divide that by the 800, and that tells you the per capita giving, all right? So I did that, and I cried um, because everybody's given about $8 a week. Thank you very much, all right? 
I mean, hear me. If you're tithing, great. You keep on. We, we really need you to be consistent. If you're not, if you're not, and hear me, this is another one of my prayers. I'm praying for 50 individuals to start trusting God enough to be able to give. Now, hear me. If you've never been to our church before, we don't want you to give anything to God out of your wallet. We want you to give your heart to Jesus. That's our goal. We know a lot of people don't go to church because they think they want my wallet. We don't want your wallet. We want your heart. But if you normally come here, I am asking you. I am begging you. We desperately need to hire more people. And a small group, I mean, we push everything towards small groups, and right now we don't have a pastor for that. And, of course, that pastor is going to do that plus a lot of other things because that's, that's how we go here, right? That's just how we go. We are multitaskers. But we need to hire another individual. I'm trusting that so much that I'm already doing interviews. I'm just telling you, this is a face step for me. And I, I don't know how, what we're going to pay this individual, but God does. And I feel like I can tell you guys, you've know, you got to trust God. You've got to step out. Well, you know what? This is a pastor who's trusting God and stepping out. And I, I'm already talking to people. I'm already accepting resumes. We're already setting appointments down. I, I, I mean, it's, it's time to pray amazing prayers and see God show up. Because God takes full responsibility for a life that's wholly devoted to him. I'll tell you, another one of my prayers is that we will baptize more people this year than we ever have. Now, baptism doesn't save you, but it's a symbol of a life that's been saved by God. So my question is, what bold prayers are you praying this year? What bold prayers are you going to pray today? i got a couple in my communion group that I'm sitting here and I, I'm, I'm praying for literally as I speak because they sent out an email this week that, you know, the guy's losing his job. I mean, that's a bold prayer. It's a bold need and pray boldly. God will do something. He will. Because he takes full responsibility for a life that's wholly devoted to him. As I close, the last thing, it required action. This prayer of Joshua's required action. And this is where we miss it a lot of times. We pray prayers and then we sit on our hands. And we need to pray like it all depends on God and act like it all depends on us. Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still, yet what did he do? He continued to fight. He continued to go out. He continued to chase the enemy. Joshua just didn't go to pray a prayer, go into his tent, and play Uno with his generals. No, he kept on fighting. And let me tell you what James says about this. James says about our faith and our works, it says this. Just as the body is dead without breath, so our faith is dead without good works. Let me tell you, we can say we believe all we want to, but if, if, we, if we believe, we will do, we will act. James is saying it's great to have faith, it's great to say a prayer, but that's not an excuse to be lazy. Joshua trained, he marched, he sent spies, he did sneak attacks, he did all of this, and yet he continued to chase these people down. Now, as we close, I want to say this. You know, sometimes we need to pray, sometimes we need to stop praying. I said this last week, and we just need to start acting. And that's where I'm at. God, I'm going to pray, I'm going to continue praying, but I'm going to move while I'm praying. I'm going to pray, but I'm going to have one eye open because I'm moving, baby. I am moving. And that is exactly what God, let me tell you, some of you, you're praying that you need to get a job. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to get your resume. 
You need to write your resume. You need to get on monster.com, send your resume to other people. You need to get on LinkedIn. If you don't know where this stuff is, come and see me after church. But you need to put your resume out there because you pray and you act. Or what about this? I need to get an A on a test. That's a need. Should you pray? Yes. What else should you do? Oh, amazing, huh? It's crazy. Man, let me ask this one more time. Should you pray? So everybody's, I heard one person go, maybe. No, you need to pray. You got to pray just to make it today. All right, in the words of MC Hammer. All right, you got to pray. But you also have to study. All right? You pray and you act. What about this one? God bless my marriage. All right? Now, number one, is that a specific prayer? No. How will you know when God blesses it? You won't. But you say, okay, God, do this in my marriage, and you say something specific. If you want your marriage to get better, yes, you need to pray. You know what else you need to do? You need to go on a date. You need to take her out. You need to open the door for her. Some of you, last time you opened the door for her was like on your wedding day. Now you get in the car, you rev it up, and you start moving. She ain't even in the car yet. God ain't going to bless that. No, no. You pray, and you go on a date, and you bring home flowers. I got this person who uh, says, I've, he was talking, this person was talking to my wife, and she's, he said, I've never brought my wife flowers. And I'm thinking, wow, really? Some of you ladies, if your man brought you flowers, you would have think somebody died. <laughs> because it ain't never happened. Well... If you want God to show up and do some amazing thing in your marriage, then sometimes, yes, we have to pray, but we have to act, and we need to stop doing the things that we were doing and start doing some things that are a little bit different. Some of you, make me healthy. That's what I'm praying. I want to lose weight. Let me tell you why I don't need to make that prayer. I don't need to pray that prayer while I'm in Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) Serious. One of the things that I've been doing for the past week, is I have been, every day, I've missed like one or two days because I was in Nashville. Every day, I have been riding my bike during my lunch break. I've been going 3.8 miles, all right? Then I've been coming back and I'm going to continue working. Because, I, yes, I want to pray God make me healthy, but I got to back that up with some action. Some of you, 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 may, you pray this prayer, God bless our church. And yes, you need to do that. But let me tell you how God blesses our church. It's through you. God blessed our church this morning, and we've had a lot of people show up here this morning because we had people like Dave and Dino and Chris Parsons and people who got here at 6 o'clock in the morning and just started working. People like Luther and the band, all these people. Some of you, you came to one and you're serving one, and you know what? You can totally say, God bless my church, but you've got to act too, and you're doing that. I mean, that's what we have to do. So don't just pray. Yes, pray, but back it up with something else. We have to do our part. We have to do our part. All right? Now, let me, uh, I want to uh, take a couple of texts, and then I'm going to be closed. I'm going to close. First one's this. Um, okay. Um, that, I don't really know quite how to say that. Um, uh, okay. It's not that God will necessarily give you more money, prosperity theology. He may change your heart to make you more content or less. Thank you, Luther. Um, 
Don't quite know where you're going with that, but you still look good, okay? <laughs> let, me, let me end with this. And by the way, I, I do want to say, this is, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. Let me tell you what I mean by that, because he brought that up. I, that, that if we pray that God's going to give us a million dollars. You know, God may give you a million dollars. I would ask that you tithe. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying, all right? If you, I am all, I'm totally fine if y'all play the lottery, as long as you tithe on the earnings, all right? right, I'm I'm just playing with you guys. Uh, No, but you know, sometimes God shows up in some visible ways elsewhere. It may be money, but it may be that you honor him with your finances and he fix your family. I mean, somehow God is going to work it out and you are going to be blessed. That's huge. That's huge. You know, I don't know how everything's going to happen with my house today when I go back home. All right, it will work out because it's not my problem. It's God's problem. You know, if, if I live my life like I own my own house, then here's the thing. If you own all of your mess when it breaks, that's your problem. But if you live your life as a steward and that, God, you own this, then when it breaks, it's his problem. Some of you, you've got a lot of stuff that you, that's your problem today, and what you need to do is you need to take your problem and drop it at the feet of God That is your problem. You're going to have to fix that. You're going to have to change him. You're going to have to change her. You're going to have to get me this job. You're going to have to keep me this job. This is your problem. And then you walk, and you trust, and you pray, and you keep on working, and then God will show up and do some amazing things. So what are you praying for as I close? Is it your family? Is it that... You have a spouse that has absolutely lost their mind? Is it a spouse that, you know, you've been trying to, to talk about spiritual things for the longest time and they are just resistant to God, resistant to the church, resistant to so many other things? You know, the thing, pray, but you keep on inviting them. For some of you, it may be a neighbor that you've been talking to and that you've been trying to tell about church or Jesus. You keep on talking to them. You pray and you keep on. You know, Easter's coming, and this is one of the biggest opportunities that you're going to have to invite people to hear an amazing and dangerous message. And you pray, but you're going to have to speak. We pray like it all depends upon God, and we act like it all depends on us. And amazingly enough, God, he takes responsibility for all of that. Whether it's a good thing, or it fails. It's his responsibility. It's not ours. So that's what we pray.